Hello and welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Father God, I just thank you and praise you for this time. Ask the Lord you bless this time. Open up our hearts to receive your word. Your word is manna, it's bread. We take it today, we eat it. And it's practical, it nourishes us. Your word is also seed in the good soil of our hearts and it produces change in life in us from the inside out. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Teach us what we need to know. Prepare us for what is coming in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to welcome those who are watching on the stream, the podcast. Welcome everybody that's in here. Praise God. I'm so glad that you came out this morning. Don't forget about our daily Bible study. It's every single day, Monday through Friday. You can go to YouTube and search daily Bible study, or you can text the number on your screen right here, and we will text you every single day to remind you about it with a link. And you can watch, uh, get a morning scripture. We pray every day. It's me and my brother. We have a really good time. Well, today I want to I talk to you about how the Lord packs the storm with his blessings. Mr. Conway is a rancher who owns a great, uh, some land, and he lives up in Payson. And uh, he goes to our church, and many times he'll stop at the doors as he's leaving. And he asks me to pray with him for a good, solid rainstorm. And we'll grab hands and we'll pray for a storm to come in. He says, Pastor, we need some rain on our land. Why does he want a storm? Why does he want rain on his land? Because it causes his land to flourish. We know from living in Arizona, it's a desert out here. And every once in a while, when that rain moves in, all of our brown dirt suddenly springs into life and presents us with all these beautiful colors that we hadn't seen. The rainstorm brings the abundance. It brings the flourishing. And when Mr. Conway sees the storm brewing in the distance, and hears the rumbling, and sees the dark clouds, he waits in eager expectation for the goodness that's going to come out of that storm. And today my heart is for us to begin to see the storms that come at us as carrying God's goodness. God doesn't bring the storm, but he packs the storm full of his rain and his blessing and his abundance. The same thing the enemy tries to bring into your life to derail you, God will use you to give you the spoils of the victorious battle that he's already won for you. Somebody say amen. Deuteronomy says this, The Lord will open up for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain. Say rain. To give rain to the land in its season. To have the rain, it's packed in the storm with the wind and the stuff that we don't like. And as city folk, when we think of the storm of life coming at us, we think of, uh-oh, uh-oh, life just got worse. Here comes the storm. Oh, what am I going to do? The storm makes us want to panic. Well, I lost my job. Well, I can't have enough money for the bills. I'm in a storm, pastor. Car broke down. I'm in a storm, pastor. The, the, the staff at the office, they're all out to get me. People are talking bad about me. My relationships are falling apart. I'm in a storm, pastor. Our marriage is in a famine right now. I'm in a storm, pastor. I can't. My kids are going to college. I can't pay. How many know what I'm talking about? Where are we going to get the money? I don't have enough money for August rent. 
I'm in a storm, Pastor. I found something wrong with my body and, and I looked it up online and it looks like things are bad. I'm going to go see the doctor. I'm in a storm, Pastor. My, my child's going in for surgery. I'm in a storm, Pastor. And as city folk, when the storm comes, when we hear the rumble, when we see the wind, it makes us want to panic. There's, this bothers us. This is a bad thing. But I want us to begin to see the storms of life differently today. My prayer is that we would leave knowing that God has packed the storm full of His goodness. He doesn't bring the storms of life, but He can work it out for your good. In fact, without rain, we're in a famine. Without rain, we're in the wilderness. We're stuck in the desert. That rain comes along with and is married to the storm. And Joseph, when he was sold into slavery, he had a dream in his heart that he'd be a great leader one day. God gave him a dream. We have dreams. You have dreams. And then it looked like his dream went sideways. His brother sold him into slavery. He's serving a guy named Potiphar now. He's doing great. He gets elevated, kept his attitude up, seemed to be expecting and eagerly waiting God to still fulfill that destiny that he had for him, even though he got hit with a storm. Well, it turns out his, his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, actually thought he was cute. And so she starts hitting on him. Well, this is a bad thing for young Joseph. And uh, one day she was really hitting on him, grabbed hold of some of his clothes, and he took off running so fast. How many know, fellas, when temptation comes, sometimes you just got to run? Sometimes the best answer to temptation is, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Joseph knew, man, you just run. And, but she, he left his, some of his, gar, his garment. I don't know how much of his garment, but she held on to his garment. I don't know. He's, he's, maybe he's shirtless. Maybe I don't know what's missing, but he ran out missing some clothes. And so now she's in trouble because she's holding on to his clothes and Joseph running around without a lot of clothes on. And some people. So she starts to say, he came in here and tried to, you know, he came on to me. She told a different story to Potiphar. Potiphar throws him in prison. Joseph's storm just got worse. As he's in prison, he could have got discouraged. He could have been like, well, that's it for me. My destiny's over. Satan got the better of me. Satan's probably having a party. Yes! I took him out of the game. I brought that storm. Well, one day Joseph's in prison and he runs into a couple of the pharaohs, the, the guy running the entire nation. A couple of his, his, his cupbearer and his baker. What are you guys doing here in prison? And Joseph had been so great in prison that he was... He would walk around to the different prisoners and help out with the, the prison guards and stuff. He was kind of like a leader among the prisons. He, what, what are you guys doing here? He got to know them a little bit. They had a dream. And Joseph said, well, I can interpret your dream for you. So he did. In three days, this is going to happen to you in your life. And the, the cupbearer got restored. You know what Joseph said? And he said, remember me when you get restored. Joseph was in prison in the middle of the storm, but he was looking for his deliverance. He was looking for the reward. He was looking for, how's God going to get me out of this? Not, why did God stick me in this? Where is God? Instead, he began to look around for, okay, where's the rain in the middle of my storm? I want you to see that God packaged his blessing, his deliverance in Joseph's storm. He, he put... The, the deliverance and the salvation that he needed, the cupbearer and the baker, people who knew the Pharaoh. This was going to be how God would orchestrate taking Joseph from the pit 
to the very top where he would be second in charge. Pharaoh has a dream two years later. Nobody can interpret it. But the cupbearer said, I know a guy. He interpreted my dream. He's in prison. And he went and got Joseph. Joseph interpreted the Pharaoh's dream. And lo and behold, is elevated from prison all the way into his destiny. What looked like was storm was taken over and had beat him. What looked like Satan had won. Listen, when it looks like Satan has won, you need to remember something. God still has the final word over your destiny. That storm, he hasn't abandoned you in it, but instead he's placed his package of destiny and salvation and deliverance. He's placed his victory inside of the same storm that is trying to take you out. Do not forget that God is not only the alpha, but he's also the omega. He's your beginning, but he's still in your end. Amen? That package of blessing was right in the middle of his storm. We need to remember that same thing for us today. That no matter how long your storm has been, whether you're in a storm today or whether you haven't been in a storm in a while, we need to remember that when the storm comes, to wait with eager expectation to see the victory and the glory of our God. It's, it, my my father-in-law, I was just talking to him yesterday about this, and, and the Lord had brought it to my memory uh, a couple weeks ago. When he moved out here in 1985, and he brought with him five children, and his wife. He was moved out here by his job. He worked in Springfield, Ohio, in the newspaper industry, and had become very successful in that industry. And the newspaper publication was starting another branch here in Mesa, Arizona, and so they asked him to come out and, and head up that branch. And he came out and was doing very, very successful, moved his whole family away from all of his family that lived in Springfield, Ohio, and all of her family that lived in Springfield, Ohio, they came out here really not knowing anybody. Well, in that newspaper company, a ex new executive came in, wanted to bring his own people and his own leadership on board, and suddenly he found himself out of a job. They wiped out an entire layer of management. Well, here he is, in a storm. Got a big house, got a mortgage, Five children, ages 13 to, to, or 15 to 4. What am I going to do? A couple months before that, he had been praying with my mom and dad. Kelly and I didn't know each other yet, but they were going to our church. And my mom had a word for him, for both of them, and said, I see a fork in the road, and it has something to do with your job. But you're going to make the right decision. You're going to go the right direction. You know, God will send his word ahead of him to anchor you. A lot of times he'll speak to you from the storm. So here he is stuck, wondering what to do. He told me that, and I asked him if I could share this story. He said, sure, no problem. He told me that when he decided, when they decided to not be discouraged and not go back. See, that's what a lot of people would have done is gone back to the safety net. Well, why did God bring me all the way out here only to abandon me in this storm? You know what? Forget it. Let's just go back to Springfield. No, instead, he said, I wonder how God's going to bless me in the middle of this storm. I wonder what God has up his sleeve. He brought me out here. It may look impossible, but we're going to put our faith in him. I'm deciding to stay. He said, as soon as he made the decision to stay, the, the two of them said, you know what? We're going to stay. We're not going back. That suddenly he saw the deliverance. Immediately in his mind, he knew, to, knew who to call. He called a friend back in Springfield that had a successful safety business. 
And he said, what do you think about starting a safety business out here that I run? And so, of course, there would be a slight partnership there, but he would be mostly owner of, uh, my father-in-law would be mostly the owner of this safety company here in Phoenix. They started it within three months they started that business. Within six months of starting that business, he was already doing $75,000 a month in sales. What looked like a storm was a blessing in disguise. God was saying, I have something different. I have something better for you. The storm came. God doesn't bring the storm. God didn't bring in the executive that was going to lay him off. God didn't do that. But he took the situation that Satan brought, that the world brought, that this life is full of storms. He packaged it with his blessing and set him on course for his destiny. And praise God he stayed. Because if he hadn't stayed, I wouldn't have got to marry the love of my wife, Pastor Kelly Anderson. Amen. In 1982, my dad uh, was working in HVAC. We had moved out here in, in 1976, and uh, he was working in the air conditioning industry. And uh, he knew that God had something different for him, and, but he was there. And then there was a downturn in the economy here, and construction dried up. And my dad was one of the last ones to get laid off out of this company, but he did. He got laid off. And I'll never forget, it was the summer. He came home that day, having lost his job. And I, I have to tell you, we lived paycheck to paycheck. We were poor. We, we knew God had prosperity for us, but we were young Christians, and we hadn't stepped into it yet. And uh, I remember uh, a lot of dinners were just cheese crisps, and we had to cut the mold off the cheese before he got... And, and my mom had tomato, too. She would cut some tomato up, but I hated tomato, so I just ate the, ate the cheese crisp. I remember wearing yellow front shoes and living in a tiny little house. We had some tough times. And my dad losing a job when you're living paycheck to paycheck with barely enough money for food and, and rent, that was bad timing. Here comes the storm. I remember my dad did this. He, he came home that day and he said, listen, kids, family, I need to tell you something. I lost my job today. And then he said, let's go celebrate. We're going out to eat tonight. You say, well, that's crazy, pastor. I know, what was he doing? He was looking for the blessing in the middle of the storm. He knew that his God had not abandoned him, but had packaged that storm with a blessing. Praise God. That kind of attitude is the winning attitude that we need as Christians. That when we hear the rumble, when we see the thunder, when we see the wind, we don't panic, but we go, I wonder what God's going to bring me when that storm comes, gets here. I know that he's about to rain abundantly into my land and cause it to flourish. God has prepackaged this storm with his goodness and blessing in my life, and I'm going to wait in eager expectation. Father God! I'm in the middle of a storm. I just lost my job. But I'm waiting eagerly and expecting your goodness and blessing to bring me deliverance and victory into my life. You're going to use this to bless my life. I'm going to be stronger than before. I'm going to be more prosperous than before. Sure enough, you ask him, I said, I said to my dad last night, what, 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 what about this time, seven months that he was out of work? He said, we had more money than we did when I was working. I just did some odd jobs. He said, but this is what I learned. The biggest takeaway that I learned was that God was my source. I found out that he met all of my needs and our needs according to his riches and glory. At the end of, every, at the end of seven months, he was offered a job, not only back into air conditioning, but also into the ministry. And he chose ministry and the rest is history. Somebody say amen. <laughs> the Hebrew word for glory is... Kavod, and it comes from a Hebrew word called kavod, 
And that word actually means a thick, weighty, dark cloud. It's an interesting idea that God would describe his glory as a thick, weighty, dark cloud. When we see a dark cloud in the sky, that's the metaphor. He's like, that's glory. My glory is a thick and weighty, dark cloud. When you hear the storm coming into your life and you see the cloud, a lot of people fear the cloud, that storm that's brewing. Listen, that cloud is the glory of God. It's the predetermined victory for the storm. You're already been chosen as a winner. The Bible says that we have Christ in us and he is the hope of? He's the hope of? He's the hope of? So when I see the storm and I see the cloud, I'm not thinking, oh, what's that cloud bringing me? I'm thinking, yes, what's that cloud bringing me? I don't readily accept the lie of Satan, but when the lie of Satan comes and the battle forms up its line and the army is there trying to taunt me and bring me fear, I remember, oh, God has already given me the victory. There's his weighty, thick glory cloud pregnant with the rain of God to rain on my land. When David came to the, the battlefield and Goliath was there, the Bible says that, that Goliath came out and blasphemed. We know the story of David and Goliath. I don't necessarily need to go over the whole thing, but this is something that David did that I, I saw as really interesting. He began to ask everyone on the battlefield, what will be done for the man who defeats that Philistine? What's going to happen to him? Well, they said he's going to get riches. He doesn't pay no taxes anymore. He can marry the king's daughter. Well, he was anointed to be king. Kind of getting into the king's household would be a good step in the right direction. David wasn't looking at an undefeatable enemy, Goliath. Everyone else on the field that was there, they ran scared every time Goliath got up to make his big announcement about how he was, he was their champion. And if Israel wanted to put a champion against him, whoever won would win the war. All the other soldiers, the Israelites, the Bible says that they would run with fear when Goliath stood up and made his big announcement. What were they seeing? They were seeing an undefeatable foe. They were looking at the wind and saying, I cannot overcome that kind of wind. That's an insurmountable enemy. What did David see? David wasn't looking at a foe. David was looking for his blessing. What's going to happen to the guy who beats that guy? What is the reward for overcoming that enemy? He was looking for the blessing packaged in the problem. He was looking eagerly expecting to already win. That's why he ran at the giant. He wasn't running towards an undefeatable enemy. He was running towards his victory and towards the spoil of the battle because the spoils go to the victor. Why would God call us more than overcomers if at some point there isn't something that we got to overcome? Why does he give us mountain moving faith if at some point there's not some mountain that's got to be moved? Why would he be the God of the impossible if at some point there wasn't some impossibility looming right in front of us? Why is he my victory in defeated places if at some point I'm not facing defeat? Why is giving me beauty for ashes if at some point I'm not facing the ashes of the fire? Why does he give me the armor of God if at some point I won't be 
standing in the thick of the battle with Jesus on the inside of me and a thousand fell at one side and 10,000 fell at my right hand, but no harm came near me. God. David sings in Psalm chapter 68 and verse 9, you shed abroad a plentiful rain. Oh God, you confirmed your inheritance when it was parched, when it was thirsty. The confirmation that you are the Lord's inheritance. Did you know that? The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy that God's people are his inheritance. You are the Lord's inheritance. And the way he confirms that you belong to him is by reigning on your land. That's his confirmation. He wants the whole world to know that the favor of God is on you. He wants the whole world to know that you don't get the same results as everyone else. He wants to mark you. Why else would Jesus say to the crippled man, pick up your mat and walk? Why does he have a man walking around with a mat? The mat was the, the metaphor, the symbol of the works of Christ done in his life. He was walking around with, hey, God healed me. I got a different result than everyone else that was laying by that pool. I got a different result. God wants that for you. You walk around your business. Why did you get the promotion? Because God marked you with his reign. How did you come out of that storm blessed? Because God has marked me with his reign. Yes. He has confirmed that I am his by reigning into my life. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a storm. He doesn't bring you the battle. He brings you the victory in the middle of the storm. Satan also confirms that you are the Lord's inheritance by bringing you a storm. He does. You see, when you didn't know Jesus and you weren't a threat to his kingdom at all, he left you alone. But how am I know when you suddenly got the spirit of God on the inside of you and you got resurrection power on the inside of you, you scared the kingdom of darkness. He is scared to death that you're going to find out who you really are and what you really can do. That just by speaking with your mouth and believing things that sickness and cancer have to run and flee, that demons have to run and flee, that darkness cannot understand the light. He's scared of that. So what does he do? He starts throwing junk at you. When you get attacked, just so you know, it's not because he's trying to make you afraid. It's not because he thinks he can defeat. It's not because he thinks he's more than or stronger than you. None of those things are true. He's trying to attack your faith and get you discouraged. When you stand and eagerly expect that when that storm comes, you know you've already won. You see the cloud brewing, but you know that's God's glory and victory in your life. You know that that's packed with a blessing for you. You know that you're an overcomer. No, Rahab said this when the Israelites came into the promised land. The first generation didn't go in because they, they, they were worried about all the giants in the land. Lost a whole generation because they didn't believe God. But the second generation came in, Joshua and those children, and they were ready for battle. And something interesting happened. We had already seen that the Israelites were full of fear in the first generation. We saw that. We got an inside scoop on that in the Bible. They were afraid. 
When the spies went into Jericho, there was a woman there. She was running a house of prostitution, and she hid the spies. She gave a little insight to how the enemy felt about God's people. And this is what she said. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. I want you to know that the storm is afraid of you. You don't have to panic in the storm. It knows that it's already lost. It's worried about the territory and the blessing and that you're about to take. When Satan comes to you and tries to scare you with a storm and Satan comes and you, there's a storm brewing. I want you to look Satan right in the eye and declare in Christ, I am the storm. I like that one. <laughs> there's a story in the New York Times I recently read as an article that appeared. And it talked about this uh, event that happens in Yoro, Honduras. It baffles scientists. It's happened every year for over 100 years, this same event. And scientists can't figure out what's happening. A great storm will happen. And when the storm's over, there's live fish all over the ground. Like it's rained fish. And the interesting thing is, is that there's uh, other places around the world where once it rained fish. They say that there can be a great wind over the sea that can suck a bunch of seawater up and fish into the sky and then deposit them on land. But for it to happen in the same place every single year for over a hundred years without ever missing a year, scientists have no explanation for this. It rains fish. That's what the people of the village say. Never know which day, but sometime between May and July, according to this article. I didn't believe the article. I had to read it and research it. I was like, what kind of crazy story is this? In 1855, a Spanish missionary went to Yoro, Honduras. His name was Jesus Sabarana. Jesus saw the famine in the village, that the people were starving, especially between the harvests. They had no food, and he prayed for three days and three nights that God would bring food to these people. Well, at the end of three days and three nights, a great storm formed in the sky. They all got inside their shelters. It raged on for a couple hours. When they came out, there was live fish all over the ground. Ever since then, it's happened every single year. They call it Luvio de Pisces. I don't know if I said that right. <laughs> it's the, the rain of fish. They don't know where the fish come from. No one's actually ever seen it rain the fish. But here's what they know. That once during the summer, a great storm will blow in. It will, it will contain hurricane force winds. They all huddle in. Take shelter. It lasts about three or four hours. They know when that storm hits, they begin to get their baskets. They get their collection baskets ready because they know as soon as that storm's over, they can take to the streets and begin to pile the fish in. They know that no matter how hungry I was when that storm hits, we're eating fish tonight. I want us to have the same feeling and thought and expectation the next time a storm comes into your life. See, when they hear a storm coming, they're like, oh, yes, Daddy, we're eating tonight. Here comes that storm. They have eager expectation of the blessing of God in their life. The next time a storm comes into your life, you get a bad report, lost your job, some betrayal happens in your family, 
The next time it seems like everything came unhinged in your life. Oh, pastor, I'm in a storm. I want you to get out your basket. And I want you to wait in eager expectation because God is going to find a way to bring you a great victory and release great rain and confirm his inheritance right in your soil, right in your land. Get your basket out because you're eating fish tonight or whatever the blessing looks like in your life. Job chapter 40 and verse 6 says this, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. This is right before Job got everything restored. Job went through a horrible storm. It was an old covenant storm, by the way. We live in a new covenant. And he had everything taken from him. Even his health was deteriorating. And then God spoke to him. Right after God spoke, he puts him on the path towards his restoration. The good news about Job is he got twice as much as what was lost. Good, good news about the Israelites is after Goliath was defeated, they plundered the tents of the Philistines and came out with a great reward. The good news about when Jehoshaphat was attacked by the Amorites and the Mount Sarites and the Moabites, that after the war that God gave them the victory, it took them three days to collect the plunder. The good news is you're going to come out farther ahead than you ever were before at the end of the storm. And Job's in it. And what does God do? He spoke to him from the storm. God will speak to you from the storm. He's not falling silent. And isn't it interesting when you're in a storm? It's funny. It's funny because you're not counting on the spirit of God's strength on the inside of you, that overcoming attitude on the inside of you when you're delivering sandwiches. But when you're facing Goliath, suddenly your attention is completely attuned to what God might be saying. Isn't it funny that when the storm comes, our radar suddenly goes to the sky and says, God, what do I do? Isn't it funny that I'm suddenly listening to God? And what does God do? He speaks to me from within the storm. His glory is the cloud. His abundance is in the rain. And then he speaks to me from the storm, which means that he's in the storm. And what does he say to Job? He says to Job, if you go read it, what he says is you're stronger than all this. That's what God says. He's like, you're stronger than this. That's what he wants to tell you. He's like, I'm in you. I'm Lord of your life. Listen, if you start to fall in the water because you were looking at the, at the wind, you saw how boisterous the wind was like Peter, he fell in the water. Listen, you, you, you know that you can't see wind. You can only feel wind. But he says that he saw the wind. See, we, we sometimes we're afraid of things that don't even exist. When he saw the wind, he reached up and he grabbed hold of his Jesus hand. You just cling to Jesus when you're in the storm. Praise God. Just cling to that hand because he's got you and he'll lift you up and he'll keep you out of the storm. Praise God. God was saying... Jesus in you is stronger than this storm. That's what he's saying to us. That's what he's talking to Job. He's like, Job, you're stronger than this. Didn't I create the behemoth and Leviathan? Look how big they are. He's like, and I fearfully and wonderfully made you. You're stronger than they are. You can overcome this. You got this. That's what God's voice is saying to you from the storm. You're in the thick of it maybe right now. You're wondering what you're going to do. You know what God's saying to you? You got this. 
Jesus is on the inside of you. You can overcome this. This is not bigger than you. I still have the final say. I still have some rain to pour down out of my glory cloud and show the entire world that you are mine. I'm about to confirm that you are my inheritance in front of the whole world by giving you a great victory. What the devil meant for bad, God is going to turn around into your good and into your favor. Can you rejoice? Look to the sky and wait with eager expectation of what your God is going to perform for you in the midst of the storm. In Jesus' name, do you receive it? Amen. Praise God. Father God, we receive this word that we might wait in eager expectation every time that attack comes to know that you are our victorious Father that Christ in us has already delivered us and defeated the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. And don't forget, we're going to continue this conversation. This message was so extraordinary. We're going to be doing it on a daily Bible study called Wake Up. You can go to YouTube, search Daily Bible Study. We'll come right up, subscribe to it. We are the number one daily Bible study in the world on YouTube. And so we're going to continue the conversation. We do a morning scripture. We pray every day. Make sure you subscribe to it. You know, there's a lot of books out there for our kids to read, and they're in the bookstore. And God put it on my heart to write a Christian-based Harry Potter-type book. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the biggest books out there that has just puts the kids in just an incredible world, gives them hope and faith, and uh, it's full of angels and minotaurs and, and magic and elves and centaurs and herbs and portals, querubs. Uh, there's a whole lot of fun stuff that is in this book. But bottom line, it's going to teach them about faith. It's going to teach them about hope. It's going to teach them about overcoming the bad things in life. And even when it looks like you're down, that God will raise you up. And so it's a great book called Eden. And you can get this in most bookstores. And you can also get it on Amazon. You get everything on Amazon. And so I encourage you to get that into your home. If you're watching this and you're not saved, or maybe you want to read it and dedicate your life. You know, salvation and going to heaven and changing your eternity isn't about following a whole list of rules and trying to be good enough because the Bible says whosoever believes. The Bible actually says that no one can earn their way or work their way into heaven. Otherwise, they'll be able to brag up there. And so you can't do it that way. The only way you can do it is by believing. And so what we want to do is if you'll say this prayer after me and believe it in your heart, your eternity is set. Say this with me. Dearly Father, I ask you right now, come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of my sins and was raised from the dead. I believe that I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you want to help us, you can partner with us uh, to take this message that, we're, that Pastor Scott's preaching all over the globe. And you can make a difference in this world. Go to wakeuptv.tv, donate today, and partner with us. Join the team. Thank you for joining us today. And wherever you live, make sure that you get in a good church. You know what? Once a week, be in God's house. I'm telling you that church makes a big difference for your home and family. I believe that it's a great start to an amazing week. Remember that this is the day that the Lord hath made. Come on, somebody. Let's rejoice and be glad in it.